Welcome into Sports Talk on a Tuesday, a sunny Tuesday at that. A beautiful day here in mid-September with Lauren Tate. I'm Scott Beatty. Lauren's here for the first hour. Evan's in for hour number two. We plan to bring you a good show. That's the plan. Can't guarantee it, but we... <laughs> I, I can promise you this, Coach. I'm going to give it my all. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Did you get out in uh, golf yesterday or today? No, I didn't. I did I did not. I um, did what you did this afternoon. I listened to all the press conference, the, the Zoom. We heard from all the coaches yeah, of Illinois football. Three, three, all the coordinators, three coordinators plus uh, Bielma. What would you learn from Bielma? What would you pick up? I think the main thing is, well, he is leaning into this it's us against the world thing. And, uh, you know, coaches need something to give their players to kind of get get mad at or get after. And so he's kind of leaning into this, you know, we, we it's not just our opponents, it's our it's the refs, it's the nobody gives us respect. Whatever you want to call it, you know, Brad Underwood had a similar playbook the last couple of years. Uh that that there's there's something more than just the other team to be playing for. So he kind of leans on in on that. Um the other thing is I kind of just it, it's a it's not arrogance, but these coaches are confident. Well, you're bound to be confident when your players are playing as well as they are physically. Yeah, I mean they're, they're just getting downright nasty on defense, and they haven't given up a touchdown at home yet. You know, not that the teams they've played were great, but <laughs> I mean it's I mean just r- remove the opponent. Well, he he made the he made the point that it shows how far they've come. To to lo- to give up forty two points to uh, a team last year to Virginia and then to come in and they get three here, that's a big that's a big difference. And did you see how determined they were in the last? I mean, this didn't have anything to do with the outcome of the game, but they really wanted that sh- shutout as far as touchdowns is concerned. And he had the regulars going back in the game just as as uh, and Virginia brought in their quarterback where they brought uh, Brennan. Uh, Wostock uh, or whatever it was. Yeah. Armstrong. Yeah. Oh, Armstrong. Yeah. You yeah. Mean. They brought they brought him back in the game. <laughs> you know, they wanted to score and we didn't want them to score. And and it didn't really matter as far as the outcome. But that just shows you the pride they take in this defense now. And they're not only developed. They were not only getting some really good guys in the defensive backfield with experience. They're 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 picking up Rooks and and uh, Matthews and, and and some guys that are young and, and are going to develop. It looks like they're way ahead of where those other guys were as freshmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Akis has proved to be a really good at, yeah uh, he, a, a, as a freshman. We kind of need him, you know, because uh, they haven't had Alex Bryant and they've lost Holmes for the year. Yeah. So, and Alec Bryant may be back this week. I guess he, they expect him to be at practice tomorrow. So, um, he will probably, I would imagine, he would start, and, they, and they're probably going to play Akasan mostly on uh, third down plays, I guess. That's kind of the way they played uh, Simon Rice in the day. They brought him in on third down to rush the passer. That's his strength. Now, he's big enough to play uh, against the run, too, and I'm sure he will, but uh, right now, he's, uh, that, that's his, uh, the thing that he specializes in. 
It is uh, technically a bye week. They're doing some lighter practices today and tomorrow with the Devo team, as it's called, the development team, and the second stringers, and they'll bring in the first stringers on Thursday and then get into an adjusted schedule that will be offset from a regular week a few days to get ready for a Thursday game against Chattanooga next you week. See, since that game, do you realize he's flown to Utah and Kansas for recruiting purposes? And Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania. He's been getting around, hasn't he? Yeah, I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I found it interesting that he he gave us an idea of just what he's got to replace. He's got 15 players who cannot return, 15 seniors who are in their final year regardless. But he's got 13 other seniors who could get an extra year. So he doesn't really know how many of those 13 will be returning, how many might transfer, how many might graduate and go on in their life, how many might want to go into the NFL. Well, some of those guys in the secondary are going to be in the NFL if they keep this up. Mm-hmm. I, I just seen some of the film after it again, and just from what I saw too, that the secondary play was phenomenal. That mm-hmm. they were just draped all over guys, and they were draped off really good receivers. And That's what's interesting to me. Those guys yeah. are really good. Now I understand Armstrong didn't have the same didn't time have, to throw. Didn't have time. Didn't have the same comfortable <laughs> setting that he had in Charlottesville a year ago. That's right. It's a team game, but I'm telling you, they Ryan Walters calls it pulling the trigger. Knowing when right to go for the ball and time that so that you're not committing a penalty but disrupting the pass, disrupting the receiver. Devin Witherspoon, I understand. They're going to look at different stats, and it's fine, whoever got Defensive Player of the Week for the Big Ten, but Devin Witherspoon was was right up there in yeah, how, how he was and playing. They've, they've got guys who can play man-to-man, and really if you, if you play zone, there's going to be holes in a zone no matter what you do. There's ba- you just can't cover everybody. When you know, g- good receivers know how to find openings in zone defenses. But if you're if you're playing against a man to man, you got to beat that guy. If you can't beat him, you're not going to get open. So Wisconsin lost this week. Iowa lost this week. Brett Bielma was asked about mm-hmm. this kind of open things he up a little bit. One, you know, he's not having a, any of that. Playing <laughs> what's on the schedule, and really. Those losses are meaningless in terms of the, the division, in terms mm-hmm. of yep. Big Ten records. They're meaningful to teams trying to make bowls and position themselves for a potential college football playoff. But I do think it underscores that the division is wide open. The division is wide open, and Purdue has a loss, and Illinois has a loss, and Purdue's got the best schedule of anybody from here on out. Nebraska has a loss. Well, yeah, I don't think Nebraska's good enough, do you? I mean, when are we going to figure that out? <laughs> when are they going to figure that out? I think they just did. Well, yeah. I, uh, I, I, of course, now they play Oklahoma. <laughs> How do you like coming off a, a terrible loss to Marshall? Now you play, or was it Georgia Southern? I can't Georgia, Georgia Southern, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Notre Dame lost to Marshall. I got Notre Dame losing to Marshall. But uh, I, I can't, I mean, how can you, how can you get up for Oklahoma? Well, sometimes well, they always get up for Oklahoma, but Oklahoma's too good for them. Sometimes new voices kind of yeah inspire you. Yeah, uh, we'll, I shouldn't we'll I see. shouldn't uh, write the game off. I mean, I've seen too many weird things happen to write anything off. Who picked Marshall? Not me. Robert Rosenthal from IlliniBoard.com will join us. Self-described fanalist coming in for our Tuesday 
conversation. Um, if if you're an Illini football fan, you were probably feeling pretty low uh, a couple of Friday nights ago. And after that win over Virginia, you're probably feeling a lot more sunny about the situation. So we'll get the vibe from Robert Rosenthal in just a little bit. Yeah, we did talk with uh, Brett Bielma today and Ryan Walters and Sean Snyder and Barry Lunny Jr. want to sprinkle in a little bit here from the various coaches and uh, what they had to say. As soon as I can pull up the page I need here, uh, Scott, get with the program. All right, Brett Bielma, what's your team identity so far three games in? You know, I think every game brings a chance for personality to come out. Um, I, I think, you know, that first game against Wyoming, it was a little bit unusual in the fact that it was a week zero game uh, for us. The, 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 the roster, maybe we didn't know who exactly was going to be there, but we felt pretty comfortable about what they were going to do, offense, defense, special teams. The exact opposite of that for Indiana, right? New, new roster and a new staff, um, uh, obviously not the head coach, but the new coordinators. So a little bit of a learning curve during the course of that game, a lot of obstacles in that game. Um, the Friday night, the, 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 the heat, all, all the all the elements of that. But I thought we, you know, obviously had a chance to win it at the end and then weren't able to do it. Uh, but I, I felt our guys all week of Virginia prep um, were just playing with a very unique edge. Um, we, we've commonly said in our, our building, right, it's us against everyone. Um, yeah, we have an opponent every week, but until we get to where we want to be, we got to beat everybody that we uh, compete against in, in every phase, right? And, and uh I think our demeanor showed up Saturday against Virginia and the fact that had some adverted, you know, some very good successful plays and then would have an offensive setback. Our defense took that as an opportunity to play, rise to the challenge. And a lot of that happened, uh, had a lot of good young players continue to, to, to show up, got, got more defensive players involved. Matt Bailey made a couple of nice plays. Uh, Tyson Rooks got in there. Um, uh, Dylan Rosier got in at the end of the game. So there's some, some really good things happened culturally with our defense of young players getting in the game now as well. All right, so there's Brett Bielma's thoughts so far on three games of the 2022 season. If you got anything on your mind, 217-356-9397 is the phone line. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling, text line 217-351-5357. John, you're on the line. You got something to add? Yeah, um, I appreciate you taking my call. love the show. Um, my, my issue is it seems like everybody is saying that uh, all the penalties and the mistakes and things like that are correctable. But we've had three games now, and I don't see much correction going on. And what I'd like you to I'd like you to comment on that. But also, you know, we're, we're I really am excited about the team. But look, uh, they do have to correct those things just to play even with those teams even in the West. And if if we don't play clean, we're going to have real trouble down the road. So. Anyway, again, thank you for the show, and thank you for taking my call. Yeah, we appreciate Bye. it, and those are fair comments. Well, they come in and go. I don't think you can predict turnovers. You can't predict penalties. They, they, the first game, Illinois did just fine. They didn't have any turnovers, right, Wyoming? Well, yeah. Not a one. And Wisconsin is awful careful of the ball. Well, they have 10, turn, 10, uh, they had 10 uh, penalties Saturday and against Washington State in a game they should have won, and I think they had a, a, some turnovers too. I know they had a late one. The one that could have won the game. There's a few penalties that are totally controllable. 
Yes. And sir. those are most of the unsportsmanlike. Once in a while, it's the referees getting a little too, right. you know. Just make a play and then shut up. <laughs> that's, that's all you have to do. Uh, I don't know if I can repeat what Brett Bielma <laughs> said. You can probably read it, uh, what he said about Isaiah Adams today. Who say he wouldn't, And this is, I can uh, corroborate this. Isaiah Adams, really pleasant guy to talk to, interact with, uh, but apparently on Saturdays is not, and it's gotten <laughs> some flags. Yeah, he's got two of them. Well, I, I, I just think if, if you, you can go uh, uh, down the list of teams and they'll have a bad turnover game one week and the next week they'll have no turnover. They'll have a lot of penalties one week and the next week they won't. Now you can say, well, we've had two straight games, of course. But uh, I, I, I think that you just wait till, wait till it plays out. I think you'll see some games where we, we're pretty clean. I'm not saying we're going to win games because uh, a lot of these teams in the West are just about as good as we are. Oh, yeah, if not better. Appreciate the call, John. And Robert Rosenthal is coming up to join us here. I want to let you know that Facer Law Office is inviting you to attend their free seminar, The Seven Secrets You Need to Know to Protect Your Home, Assets, and Family in Perilous Times. Join Thorpe Facer and Facer Law Office at the iHotel and Conference Center tomorrow at 1.30. Reserve your space by calling Facer Law Office, 337-1111. That's 337-1111. Welcome back to Sports Talk on this Tuesday. It's a group of friends right here hanging out. Lauren Tate, Scott Beatty, and Robert Rosenthal. Imagine if we all just lived in an apartment in New York City and hung out and drank coffee. How proud are you of that, uh, putting that on there? I'm very proud. Okay, good. I'm very proud. Mm-hmm. Are you um, going to say why you use that? Because why did we? Because we were texting today. And I said, I'll be there. Oh, that's right. You said, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, hey, you know, reminder, yes. show up. And you said, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. And I referenced Mariah Carey. And, and the I referenced Fight. that song. And here we are. And here, yep. yep. That's and right. So we decided, Lauren, that you're Ross. <laughs> no, wait, you're Ross, Robert. I'm Ross. So He's... you're Rachel. Okay. <laughs> I, I, and I'm Chandler. Figures. Uh-huh. <laughs> it works. <laughs> I think it holds. He can be Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely you like sandwiches, right, Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. He has no idea. Yes. No Are we idea. supposed to talk about sports now, or what's the plan? Possibly. Okay. Here. This is also yes. a run-out-the-clock situation. Yes. So, um, the, the peaks and the valleys that is college football. I, I imagine you were in a bit of a valley on a Saturday morning, early hours, a weekend ago, and, and now uh, after Saturday's performance against Virginia, a little bit more on the peak. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have two more... You know, you have the game where you just need to not make five specific mistakes and you make all five of those specific mistakes and lose on a touchdown with 30 seconds left. And then you follow that up with a game with with more mistakes, but you're so dominant that it didn't matter. That you're so much better defensively that you could have made you could have thrown three more interceptions and they wouldn't have mattered because nobody was going to move the football. So, uh, yeah, two completely different narrative games uh, into in back to back weeks. Is there is there any place where we should say, hang on, hold the phone, pump the brakes when it comes to this Illini defense? That was a pretty darn impressive performance. And yeah. no touchdowns allowed in two home games. Yes, and I have a friend who pointed this out. If you remember the Northwestern game in November, both of Northwestern's touchdowns on video, 
they didn't break the plane. Neither was challenged, and they gave them both touchdowns, but neither one <laughs> broke the plane. So my friend texted me. He's like, technically, it's been three games since in Memorial Stadium that no one has has gotten into the end zone. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, you know the the danger you know the the worry is what if Virginia and Wyoming are just really really bad you know what if we find out that this was a one and eleven Virginia team what if we find out it was a two and ten Wyoming team then it's like oh well you played two really bad offenses and that's why your defense looked good and then once you got into Big Ten play there were some concerns so that's the big concern well you haven't played a lion yet right right that's the problem I mean they, they're their offensive line on both those teams were just completely remade. Yes, as and is Indiana of of you know them trying to get back to their 2019 offensive line. So yes, mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, and Chattanooga is not going to be that team. So you know you're you're going to find out when you go to Wisconsin on uh, October first. Brett Bielma would not have anything to do with the questions about Wisconsin and and Iowa losing and maybe uh, more of an opening here in the Big Ten West. I understand why he wouldn't, but from your perspective, do you go, hang on here now? This this gets a little more interesting. I know that those games weren't conference games, mm-hmm. but they look vulnerable. I, I do believe him and his assistants when they say we don't pay attention to that stuff. We're just looking at the next game. Yeah. Uh, because the, the way this staff is organized and the way they talk and the way they tell us of their plans or tell us of, you know, okay, tomorrow we're working on third downs against Indiana and then the next day we're working on, you know, second and long or whatever. You know, they have this whole system and everything else that I don't really think that they spend much time looking at the big picture. Everything is so But they told us very clearly they worked on Indiana before they played Wyoming. Yes. And I will tell you they will work on Wisconsin this week before they play Chattanooga. Definitely. I guarantee you. Yes. Because – I mean, they're not going to tell anybody, but they're going to they're going to be working against whatever, they, and they know what the defensive formations uh, Wisconsin will have anyway. They played them, you know. He played them last year. He coached there, and they're still doing the same thing they were when he coached there. Right, and and he knows Paul Chris' offense is about as as well as any coach. Yeah. Of you know his tendencies and everything else. So, um, but that'll be. I mean, after be bigger than everybody else and yes. push them. Yes, I will say this: there hasn't been a Saturday like this in quite some time where. Nebraska loses to Never. Georgia Southern, yeah. and Iowa can, can't even move the ball, and Wisconsin loses at home to Washington State. And Notre Dame. Yes, and, and Notre <laughs> Dame loses. And Texas A&M. Yeah, and yeah. Illinois and wins Texas this game A&M. only giving up one field goal, and the defense looks dominant. And you know, Tell me about the man-to-man defense, because if you can play man-to-man defense, it makes a big difference. Yeah, that uh, – that, uh, I mean, even that – Look at that final drive where they wanted to keep them out of the end zone. They had first and goal at the five or whatever, and you know it was just, you know, it's spoon breaking on the ball, and then it's Quan breaking on a ball, and then it's spoon breaking on a ball. Um, yeah, if you trust your guys in the back end, like like this staff trusts uh, Devin Witherspoon and Quan Martin and Sidney Brown uh, and and Kendall Smith, who has two interceptions, then um, yeah, you can. You know, it gives you the opportunity to say, okay, I, I trust my guys. Let's let's try a few things of the line. Does this, not going to be perfect, but does this have a little 2011 feel to you? Not in start 6-0 and and then finish 6 and, and then finish 0-6, mm-hmm. but just in terms of at least a pretty good defense and a few playmakers, um, offense, and just kind of that, 
there's some there's some draft picks here on the defensive side again. Um, I, I don't know. It just it came up in our post game discussion. We were trying to feel like when has Illinois football been what this kind of looks like so far? And the best we could come up with was was 2011, which was a bowl team. Mm-hmm. It was also Ron Zook's demise. Mm-hmm. Um, but but ignoring that part of the of it and just what that team was and its kind of character. I. I, I was looking this up last night because I was looking at a lot of the advanced stat sites, which I frequent. And uh, one of them um, is a guy named Brian Fremo, and he has a, uh, a index he calls the FEI, where he just inputs, this matters in college football, this matters, puts all the numbers in and says, these are the better teams. And Alabama always comes up at the top and, you know, you know, UConn is last or whatever, you know, there's, there's a, there's a logic to it. It's not that kind of thing that a bad Kind of a Ken Palm of football? Correct. Okay. Correct. Very similar to that kind of thing. And right now, uh, his numbers, you know, some of it is the you know, same as Ken Palm. A lot of it is built in the preseason, and then it slowly adjusts based on the results of the season. Uh, right now, he's Illinois 47th nationally, 47th best team, and he has a defense 14th. So he's been doing this since 2007. So I went back through every single list. The highest defense he had ever had for Illinois was ranked 13th. It was the 2011 defense. Mm-hmm. And it didn't get there until after the final game. After shutting down UCLA, they moved up to 13th nationally. So at least numbers-wise, that's what we've seen so far. Now, again, it's three games. Yep. And you could, you know, if at the end of the year, you know, right now that's against the Virginia offense that is dropping, but still considered, let's say, the 45th best offense nationally. If the Virginia offense finishes the year and they're 123rd, then you see, oh, well, the reason they held Virginia to three is Virginia couldn't score on anyone. So all of that will adjust through the season. But at least statistically right now, you know, the way these first three games have gone, this defense, and it's not just points given up, it's yards per play, it's havoc plays, it's when do you get in the backfield, it's, you know, what are you doing on third down, what are you doing in the red zone, all the things that help you win a game, at least right now, um, you know, this this defense is up there with some of the best, you know, in several years. I don't know where the offense is quite yet. I, I, I would still like what the offense could be without mistakes. Well, and they they're never the going to play perfect. They got the leading rusher in the nation. Yep, and, <laughs> yes. and, and he in looks, terms of average yards per game. Yes. Doesn't he look like an NFL running back? I think so because he think can break tackles. Yes. Yeah. And look, if He's we strong, if I I don't mean this the way it will sound. If if these helmets had anything other than an eye on them, if they were anything other than orange, if we were Wisconsin fans or Iowa fans. We would be looking at this team and saying, okay, top re- rusher in the country and a great defense. This team's going to win eight, nine, ten games. That's just how they go into seasons. Well, I'm an Illinois fan, so I think, <laughs> <laughs> well, of course you're going to beat Virginia and then lose to Chattanooga. You know, this yeah. is just, we've seen this. We're going to see Eastern Michigan again. We're about to see, you know, all these games. The, the, uh, Louisiana Tech is about to happen again. So, um, you know, Illinois fans will stay reserved. But just in the big picture, Really good defense so far, and leading rusher in the nation. That's a formula you win with. Sometimes you can lean too hard on your defense. I remember uh, Petrino was our offensive coordinator in that 2011 season, mm-hmm. and we had Penn State beat, and they went into a offensive. Well, they just decided to play real careful, and they punted when they could have made, gone for a first down, and yep. then 
Penn State marched and, and won the game at the very end. It was a really good game. I mean, Illinois could have won the game. Had the game won, they thought. Yep. Low-scoring game, and Penn State scored, and then you know what? We fell apart. Mm-hmm. By the time we played Minnesota, we were nobody. Yes. Yeah, that Minnesota game by the end of that year, it, you know, that was a 2-9 and nine Minnesota team, and I still remember it, 152 total yards of the Illinois offense in that game. Yeah. Against one of the worst defenses in the country, one had given up 500 and, yards. And the, the conclusion game was that the team got away from Zook, and that's why he was fired. Sure, and yeah. I think I it mean, didn't look like there was a lot coming. Yeah. Okay. I think that was a factor, as as I've been told. Yeah, I I, I think that's probably accurate, but I'd have to go back and look at the recruiting. I uh, that's too many years ago and by since then I can't remember what they had coming. Yeah, I mean it started. It wasn't the recruiting classes that Zook had brought in before, and if no. you remember, they added. Oh, what was the tailbacks? Uh, Demi Aula. They added him like the Friday before that Minnesota game of like, look, we're still recruiting well, and it, it wasn't enough. But if Appalachian State had 11 transfer starters, were transfers the real hidden reason for all these upsets over the weekend? It's a good question. I mean, it's so hard to know who's going to be good going into the next season. Because before, it's like, oh, who do they have coming back? How good were they last year? Yeah. Now you Can't bring in that. 11 guys that... Well, how well will they play? Well, these are six new offensive linemen. How well are they going to play together? You know, you just can't really project A it. theory I would like to, or a hypothesis I would like to test is, is this the, um, the, the, the whatever the opposite of a bubble is that kind of moves up, you know, you know the, the, the COVID sort of vacuum that, you know, the, 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 the freshmen, the true freshmen of COVID in, in the COVID year, you know, now they're into the upper class and what did they lose in development? two years ago uh, the only reason I can think of that is because that's been an issue in college baseball is what did the pitchers lose in development and and maybe the older guys aren't quite as old as the old guys were last year mm-hmm. so to speak but I'm spitballing <laughs> but I mean you also have I mean look at in the state of Illinois kids didn't play high school football that fall they got maybe four games in the spring, like a six-week season or whatever it was before you know they did basketball, then football, then baseball. Um, so you, you didn't have the normal development of seniors. So you know those would be the redshirt freshmen who are starting to get on the field. Maybe they're a little stunted. Yeah, it does feel like a weird season. You know, 2007 is the season college football fans always point to, like 11 different teams were number one, and Missouri was number one at one point, and RPO. West Virginia was going to go to the national title game, but then they lost to Pitt, and, you know, all these weird, weird things happened. Illinois beat Ohio State, and then Ohio State still got to the national title game because, like, five other teams lost. So, you know, that's the chaos season of college football, and it does, at least so far, have a little bit of that feel so far. And I do wonder, Lauren, maybe – is it transfers specifically on each of those teams? I don't know, but is the balance of talent a little bit shifted while everybody moved around? Yeah, sure. I mean, and and it's gone in ways that we don't know because you'd have to follow, you'd have to check all these teams and see how many of the transfers are actually playing like they are at Appalachian State. You're right. You're right. You, you know, you State, have, remember, they, they lost their game early. They lost to North Carolina, what, 63-61? to 61? Mm-hmm. They're doing something right there. Yeah, you have to follow, you know, we, we just follow, look, okay, here's the recruiting classes, here's the good teams, and, you know, now there's this wild card in there of, well, here's a team that added seven really great pieces in the offseason, and, 
you're not going to find out until they upset somebody. D'Arcangelo was the highest ranked player in a game for Illinois, according to some people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's, he's a walk-on from a Division II college in right, northern a, Minnesota. Not only a Michigan. transfer, he's a walk-on transfer. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, so guys develop like that. And, and, but we, and Hart, of course, I don't know how Hart is playing so far. Maybe not as good as we thought he would, but he's a transfer. And, of course, and if you look around there, there there's some key guys on this team that uh, – Obviously, uh, Chase Brown mm-hmm. <laughs> and DeVito. Mm-hmm. And while we're on the subject, the other fascinating thing to me is how many of these players were late additions to the recruiting class. So look at the two starting cornerbacks. Devin Witherspoon joined mm-hmm. the team in August. Last guy. Yeah. He just like showed up and like, oh, hey, we added one more recruit to this class, and he just enrolled, and he's going to be on the field today. Looked too skinny to play, didn't he? Right. Too skinny and this and that. Now he's looking like an NFL guy. On the other side, Taz Nicholson was same thing. He was the very last guy added to the 19 class. Um, you know, committed two days before signing day. Didn't have any offers. That you know, they just picked him up late. And then look at the players who were showing out in the freshman class. They landed Gabe Ockus late. They had landed James Kurtz the night. Wasn't before Matthew Bailey day. late too? They landed Matthew Bailey the final weekend before that. So. You know, that's how recruiting used to be. It used to be a coach would get a job and he only had like three players committed and all the recruits would pick their school in December or January and then sign the first Wednesday of February. Well, now everybody picks it early, but there are still players there late that are surprising. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question which I didn't ask about uh, before we came on in which it would be awkward for you to say no, but would 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 you? We have a caller. Would you be willing to take a call? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. Yes. I mean, I, you do have permission to say no. Maybe yes. you didn't want to. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Eric is with us. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, Robert. Thanks for taking the call. You know, I, I was just the question was mostly about scheduling. Like, I I was looking like at 1993, for example, Illinois played Missouri, Oregon, and Arizona all in a row to start the year. They lost all three. Those are real teams. Then I look at a year like this year, and especially like at Michigan. I mean, that's one of the worst schedules I've ever seen for you know a team that supposedly that good, you know, to be, to be scheduling you know that kind of garbage at the start of the year. And it's like every team is going that route now. What's the uh, what's the logic or the, I mean, not the logic, but what, what is your thought on that? I always say that it was Bill Snyder who changed that. Uh, that in that's about the time '93 when Bill Snyder came along at K State and said, "You know what I'm going to do? This Big Eight schedule is impossible for me, so I'm going to schedule the three easiest games I can possibly schedule." Uh, and then people started hopping on board with that. I mean, when Mark Mangino built Kansas, he did that. I think they had four non-conference games at the time. He went out and tried to find the four easiest games so they'd be assuredly 4-0. And then they only need two Big 8 wins to get to the, you know, it was Big 12 by then. But, you know, only two conference wins to get to a bowl. So, That's how Iowa started their comeback with Hayden Fry. Right. Right. Some people just <laughs> he decided. Just, he just canceled. The, what, what, was it Oklahoma? He canceled some games. That, yes. Yes. Uh, I think in, uh, when October 1 comes, you look and you say, what's your record? Are you 3-0, and 4-0? Oh, oh? nobody, right. nobody says, well, who'd you play? Right. And Illinois was still doing that. I mean, 2003, what was it? Uh, Illinois played Missouri, UCLA, and Cal as the three. You know, so it's 2003. All of co- college football had changed by then. All of college football had adjusted to that. And, you know, look, you know, we, we see it. What a Georgia plays Mercer or whatever, Alabama. Alabama scheduled a game next year or the year after with Eastern Illinois. So, we would have continued to play Missouri forever yes. if we hadn't lost all six games. <laughs> right, right. Some of them painfully close. <laughs> right. Yeah. Appreciate the call, Eric. Overall, 
two and one this year compared to one and two last year through three games. Where where's the uh, you know the, the the how are the vital signs for Robert a year apart? As, uh, as a, I mean, I have to go to, to football. S- you know, I lean on those advanced statistics early in a season. Uh, there's a statistic that's called uh, second order wins, which is. Um, a guy named Bill Connolly from ESPN, I'll just explain it real quick. He uses what's, what he calls post-game win expectancy, which is some games, and Illinois fans know this, I always point to like the 2008 Minnesota game. Illinois dominated Minnesota in 2008. The offense was amazing. A juice was going crazy. They put up 550 yards. They held Minnesota to 300 yards, and Illinois lost because they fumbled at the five, and Minnesota had a five-yard touchdown drive. They threw another pick six. Uh, two punts were shanked out of bounds, giving Minnesota a short field. They dropped, They fumbled a punt return. You know, like you, you have a game ninety nine percent won, and you do all those th- all those things uh, to screw it up. So, if you remember last year, the UTSA game, but even Maryland and Purdue, like the Purdue game last year, wasn't like the let's say Indiana game this year. Purdue was close last year. But Purdue would drive all the way down the field and then throw a pick in the end zone. And then they drive all the way down the field and it bounces off the I think it bounced off the tight end's helmet and went to Tony Adams for an interception. Purdue was just shooting themselves in the foot. This year, Illinois kind of statistically dominated Indiana mm-hmm. and then completely dominated both Wyoming and Virginia, and that's a different animal. That's a game you're gonna win ninety nine out of a hundred times. Last year, Purdue was a game you're going to win 15 out of 100 times. It's not the same kind of close game, if you will. So that's what's so encouraging so far this season is all of these statistics point to, look, Illinois is dominating on the defensive statistics. They're getting more yards per play. They're limiting yards per play. All the things that these metrics look at to say that's a good team, Illinois has them right now, and it's impressive. Ron Zook and, and Britt Miller was in here this past week reminding us of the, the, the mantra, first you lose big, then you lose small, then you win small, then you win big. And and we were talking about pregame. Illinois is hoping that the curriculum of how to lose a uh, losing game small finished mm-hmm. at Indiana, and this was not a close win score-wise, but it felt much closer than it was because of all the mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, to your point, look, you're actually starting to not uh, – I mean, Purdue was close, but you almost almost got away with it kind of thing, whereas this was like, oh, you almost gave it away yeah. because of your mistakes, and that's just a, a, a different place. Hard to figure out how this is going to play out from right. here on out with the rest of, of – well, I think yeah, we but figure, I think I, the, don't forget we play Michigan and Michigan State, right? Yes. But it, <laughs> yes. I think you could say objectively, this is a better team uh, than, so far, yes, than last year. It might just be that the three opponents were really that bad. bad, and if Indiana goes two and ten and Virginia's one and eleven, we'll look back at these three games and like, oh, of course the defense was dominating. But I think we already figured this out earlier. If this is a college football chaos season like two thousand seven. Illinois has gone to the Rose Bowl in 100% of college football chaos season. So I think what we're saying here, Scott, is that this is a Rose Bowl season. I don't think we can draw any other conclusion than that, it's right? It's purely logic. Yes, this is 2007 again, which means we're going we're gonna to stumble into the Rose Bowl. It's right? Robert Rosenthal it. in Pasadena. That's exactly. You, okay. you can roll out with that song later. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We got a break. It's always fun. Yeah, Happy thanks, Tuesday, and we'll we'll talk to you again next Tuesday and talk more about Chattanooga, I suppose. Yes, yes. The two games before, two days before that game. Yeah, back in a flash. Thanks. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. 
back on Sports Talk tonight. White Sox baseball. They're hosting Colorado. You'll hear it here on DWS. 6.30 pregame. The Cardinals are hosting the Brewers. And the Brewers are eight games back. If they're three going games, to make a move. Three-game sweep, put them down to five. Yeah, if they're going to make some sort of miracle move, they got to do it now. And it'll be Matt Bush for the Brewers. He's 2-2 two and two with a 3-2-3 three, three against Jordan Montgomery. And the red-hot Albert Pujols. Well, you got to play Pujols, don't you? I think so. I, don't, I haven't seen a lineup yet. Maybe it's out. Uh, but that's that's that. Cubs continue against the Mets well, the, as well. The whole, the whole key to this, you know, the fact is that they gave uh, both uh, their star players the night, the day off, the day before yesterday, with this Monday off too. So they've had uh, Arenado and and uh, Goldschmidt have both had two days off to give them some rest. Goldschmidt was, has been slumping. He still could. Win a triple crown. Not suggesting he can. I'm just saying the last week or two he's been struggling a little more than normal, and I think the manager saw it and told him to take a couple of days off. By the way, I saw a bit about it's pretty rare it is possible that Goldschmidt and Arenado could finish one and two in the MVP race. Well, that's an interesting thought. And for all this, well, the Cardinals are going to hit If you guy. consider, if you I throw you. defense into the, to the, you know, but nobody does. But there's no better third baseman, and there's no better first baseman. Mm-hmm. Now, I might be exaggerating when I say no better, but they're awfully good defensively, and that matters. I told you early in the year, the more concerned you got, the better I felt about the Cardinals' chances. <laughs> it's an inverse relationship. Our final segment in a moment on the first hour of Sports Talk. Evan is in with me for the second hour. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Get ready for hour two of Sports Talk. Thanks, Robert Rosenthal, for joining us. Illinois' next football opponent is Chattanooga. They play this Saturday against North Alabama, so they will have a short prep for Illinois on a Thursday, whereas Illinois has got all this time. It's called a bye game, my to friends. Prepare for Wisconsin. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Well, look, it, Illinois has no business losing that game. It's true. But yeah, I can cite about a half a dozen games that teams didn't have any business losing this last week. Chattanooga has defeated Wofford, 31 to nothing. Eastern Illinois, 38 to 20. And now they will play North Alabama. So there you go. But they're an FCS team. Illinois should, has never lost yep. to an FCS team. Yep. It should happen. Uh, okay, uh, Mr. Tate. You got any big plans tonight? Yep, going to go see Marvin Lee tonight at Philo. Last time. Well, it's his last show of the year. Oh, last. Oh, okay. Last one of the year. All right. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a good time. I intend uh, to. I hope you have good company. <laughs> Maybe do. he'll let you sing with him. Oh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. Next hour, Evan's in. We'll have some fun. Listen to more of what Illinois football coaches had to say on this bye week. Talks of baseball and other good things. Newstock 1400-939 FM, WDWS Champaign-Urbana coming up on a news update brought to you in part by OSF Cardiovascular Institute. Your heart is our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash beats.